If the Lord took me off this earth right now, I know I've been blessed. And knowing that I was found, even more so. But uh, I've had a blessed life, and the people who came and got me out of there, my mom, dad, wonderful, wonderful people. today is Joseph Wood. He's an elected official and currently serving in Arkansas as a Washington County judge. And he's the author of two books, Saving Joey and Adopting Joey. Welcome, Joseph. Well, good morning and good morning to your, your fan base, your, your, your family. Uh, and I really appreciate you, Ms. Nancy, for inviting me on. Looking forward to visiting with you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So your story is about adoption and how God works in the lives of those who follow him. And you were wrapped in a blanket, placed in a basket, and left in the streets of Chicago and brought to an orphanage. But when your adopted parents came to the orphanage looking for a girl, they ended up adopting you. That's correct. Your your parents prayed before they chose you, which always points to God's plan for our lives. So my question is, what happened when your parents brought you home? Well, so so uh, I will start with them. They they had been married for five years. My mom had wrote in her high school yearbook, "I want to be a teacher and I want a house full of kids." And my dad, who was a construction worker, he he really had a hard time coming home from work because Mama put him back to work. She wanted to get pregnant and have a kid. She wanted these house full of kids. Well, when she finally got to a place after five years of marriage and no kids, she said, well, let's go to the uh, orphanage. We can foster care a little girl and you'll be a great dad. And, and my dad was uh, excited about that because he said, we do that. You can say, get off my back. And so they get to the orphanage and she sees this, this place full of kids that she wanted all of them. And then she sees this boy and she said, nope, this is the boy. Let's, let's foster care him. And she brings me home and uh, the church and the family was all there and really excited it was around Christmas time. And so they were all excited about it. My dad was excited because she had a kid. My mom was excited because she had a kid. And I think the Lord said, okay, now I'm going to answer your prayers. And she got pregnant and had my brother a year later. She got pregnant again, had my sister a year after that. She got pregnant again, had my brother after that. It was almost, he said, I'm going to give you a house full of kids. Go get this kid first. Uh, they also cared me, and uh, at ten years old, I was I was finally adopted. But um, yeah, that's that that's that was their story. That was their walk. But what a what an amazing story that your parents um, just God blessed them. It, it almost reminds us of a, of a Bible story, right? Well, that yes, be Hannah. That would be Hannah, right? And Hannah and Moses. I mean, well, yeah. she, you know, Moses was left in the basket. Uh, and picked back up by his his sister, yeah. uh, and even though now in the children's book I write that I was left in a basket, but in actuality, Mr. Caesar shares it was a box that that was in front of the doorstep that he found me in, and so. But for the children's book, I wrote it was a basket just to kind of make it not as uh, difficult as it was. It was snow and ice outside, and so um, Mr. Caesar is going to work that morning, and and he sees this box uh, that evening. He he put his wife and kids to bed that night, going to work, and uh, after he put them to bed, he walks out of there. Snow and ice is blowing, and he has a scarf and hat on, and he walks down the, the stairs of this complex, and he sees this box, didn't know what it was, and he saw something moving, so he took his foot to move the blanket, 
and it was a kid in there and it just shocked him and he's looking up and down the street the snow and ice is blowing so he grabs a box as carefully as he can and runs back in the house and wakes his wife up wakes his kids up wakes the neighbors up and they start looking around uh, before the police finally eventually gets there and they're looking around the neighborhood and they said we're going to take this kid to the orphanage you save this kid see the froze out here Aww. well you know she must the girl who had you must have been praying to god to please somebody i mean they don't yeah. put there unless they know right that somebody will come out and find you, you that's know? right I and she and cared because she wrapped you in a blanket yep so yep. yeah that that's that's sweet would you know anything about her nothing i i wrote in the book that it was a young girl that's that's in my head no one knows this the story i write saving joy is the story that caesar shares with me mr caesar the military korean veteran who's going to work that night and and sees this box or this basket in the book uh but how i got there i don't know i don't know and i uh, was she a young teen was she a married in a racial relation that wasn't acceptable was she a prostitute i have no idea how I got there, but I struggled growing up, and I always said, I wonder was she a prostitute, and and and, and she didn't have time for it, and she just left me there, or was she an interracial relation that wasn't acceptable, and she left me there, and, and I always got through that process by saying, well, I guess it doesn't matter she had me. I guess it didn't matter she had me. Well, I, just, I said that to Mr. Caesar one day, and he said, oh, she must have more, more than had you. She must have loved you because she put you in a place where you can be found. She could have put you in a plastic bag and left you in the alley and you really froze out there and, and I would have never found you. And so it just, and, and I do, I, I appreciate this, this woman who I love and I never met, I don't know anything more than I was left in front of this, this doorstep. We've done DNA and we, we I got thousands of uh, third and fourth cousins. I think I found one or two second cousins but no first, no brothers, no sisters, no no moms, no dads, no grandparents. So it's you got to be in the system, I guess, to to be traced. I guess. Yeah. Well, you know what you know what it makes me think about like how you have been. God has had this great plan for you. Not only were you found, and she left you there, and you were found. You know, she 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 had you to term. That's right. right? That's right. She fully had you. She she put you somewhere she thought you would be found. And then you get to be in a family that was, sounds like it was an encouraging family. Yeah, couldn't have a better cheerleader or supporter than my, my mom. She was the biggest, biggest supporter. She really wanted me to feel like I wasn't different. Even though I, everywhere I looked, I'm like, my brothers look different. We sound, my bro, it was just, but she wanted me not to feel that way. Yeah. Uh, I used to thank her all the time. I was, a, I grew up being grateful. I still, I'm very grateful now. If the Lord took me off this earth right now, I know I've been blessed. And knowing that I was found even more so, but uh, I've had a blessed life and the people who came and got me out of there, my mom, dad, wonderful, wonderful people. And, and not only that, you've been groomed for this amazing position where you are right now. And who knows where God is going to put you next? Let him order our steps. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Just let be an empty vessel for him to use me and, and use us in any way he can. That's that's wonderful. So um, so my last question to you is, is how do you feel God's presence in your life? So I, early on, I, when I say early on, probably 
sixth, seventh grade is probably about the time where I just, I was always in the church. I became an altar boy around that time. I was, we were in, so they got me out of Catholic orphanage, St. Vincent's, uh, been, now it's Catholic Charities. It still exists downtown Chicago. It's no longer an orphanage, but they still feed the, uh, the hungry and the homeless and work with children and uh, young young women. Uh, but it's, and they still exist downtown Chicago. But when I became an altar boy, that really started again, learning, learning the, my faith and under, trying to understand more that I was going to be a priest. I got accepted in the seminary. So it's always been a part of who I am. Then I met my wife who was not Catholic, but she was Baptist. And then we started this search of our own, our church. And that's when the Lord said, hey, you learned about me. I want you to know me personally. And that started my journey of getting to know him, got saved. And, uh, but around seventh grade, when I started working in the church and being an altar boy and all, I used to write. And that was my way of working and writing. It was almost like I was journaling to God, to him saying, what, why Why did I get left behind? Why was I giving up for adoption? Uh, what did I do? I mean, it's just this questioning. And then, like I shared with you earlier, the struggles I had through high school of um, trying to figure out, was I, was I a product of incest? And I'm telling you, that that, that, hurt, that that marinates on you for a while, and you're trying to really sort it all out. And months would go by, and I'm still on that. What was I, I could be a process, product of that. And then I get to a place. The only way I can move forward is to say, I guess it doesn't matter. She had me. I'm here. Praise God. And I move on. Then another thought comes. Like, I wonder where they're in an interracial relation, married, but they couldn't. that wasn't acceptable back then. And they, they had to get a kid up. And I would go again months on that, and I would stop and say, I guess it didn't matter. She had me too young young, too old. And each one of those, I was write and journal and talk about it to God. And again, I think it helped me get to a place. But at 45 years old, when the laws changed in Illinois, said, if you were ever adopted in the state of Illinois, you can have your original birth certificate. And that's when I said, wow, if I get my original birth certificate, I will know who my birth parents are and let them know, hey, whatever happened, happened. I'm okay. And we'll move forward. And it took a month to get it to me because they were overwhelmed by the number of people looking for their original birth certificate. Well, when I finally got it, it said, this is your foundling birth certificate. And I'm looking like you, Miss Nancy, what's a foundling? And I looked it up. You were found. You were abandoned. And you were found on this day. And I had to pause because I'm like, that's the day I celebrate is my birthday. And they said, no, that's just the day you were found. You were found on this day by this man at this address. And you were received in the orphanage by this doctor. And that just took me, and I'm 45 years old. So all these years I've been celebrating my birthday, March 20th. And they come to find out, no, that's just the day you were found. Uh, you were found by Mr. Caesar Johnson at this address and you received in this orphanage by the doctor. So I went looking for the doctor, searched, did a lot of research, found him. He died in 1999. And then I started, when can I find the guy who found me? And all of the numbers, 90% of the people I found were younger than me. And then I had three names left. And the very first name I called was him. It was Cesar Johnson, 80 years old. And he tells a story this in that book. Um, and he was just surprised. He said, oh, that had to be over 50 years ago. Oh, my gosh, you're alive. And I'm like, no, it was only 45 as I'm crying. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my word. You, wow. And he remembered it like it was yesterday. And he shares the story. I've just put my wife and kids in bed. I'm going to work. And, and I see this this box outside. Oh my, if you're ever in Chicago, I would love to see you. And so we had a great relation for a number of years. He just passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but it had such influence when you talk about God and how he works. You, my journey was something, but it had an impact on him. He's a young man, had a couple of kids at that point, living in a uh, two bedroom apartment. But 
he told his family, his family always heard about this. In fact, I went, he invited me to a family reunion and he asked me to be the key speaker there. I'm like, first of all, I don't know your family. Second of all, why would you want me to? He said, I don't want my family to ever take for granted what you've been searching for. We have a huge family reunion. It'll be four, two, 300, 400 people at this thing. They come from everywhere. And we had 17 grandkids. And I mean, it's just a huge thing. Masquerade ball on Friday picnic on Saturday, church on Sunday that's dedicated to our family, and then you'll speak at the luncheon. I said, I don't know. And my wife said, we're going. We went, uh, got to the, the luncheon. He couldn't go. He and his wife, his kidneys collapsed the week before. He's in the hospital. And he calls, his wife calls and says, he's in the hospital. His kidneys collapsed. We can't go. Will you still go? The family's playing all this around you. I said, I don't know anybody but you guys. My wife said, we're going. And we went, and they loved on us just like it was them. That day we spoke at that luncheon, there were men older than me crying, and I couldn't understand why. And they said, at the end, they said, to Mr. Caesar, we go every summer to Chicago to spend it with Uncle Caesar. And he always told us the story about this kid that he found. And now you're standing in front of us. And so it was almost, so it had an impact on his life. And I will share with you, even though he's a Korean veteran, out of all the stuff, when he died and, and at the funeral, they asked me to come, they asked me to speak. The only thing he wanted on his um, suit was an Arkansas flag pin that I got him uh, years ago. And he wanted that though, because for him, that was his, his biggest um, saving. In fact, the state of Illinois, they gave him a citation for saving this kid because Arkansas benefited because of his heroic act, if you will, which you would think anybody would do. But he could have gone to work and stepped over me and kept on going. So anyway, that's, it's, it's God's hands been on on me and those around me. And I, I'm just so, so grateful for it. You are blessed. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. And absolutely. I, I thank you so much for joining me today. I really absolutely. appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you, Ms. Nass. And to your, 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 fam your team, your, your family, I'm sure that's what you call them, your family. Thank you guys. Uh, again, we have our website. If you will share, then they can go and get the book. And I'm happy to come and visit with you again. Great. And I will have you back again. Excellent. Thank you so much. To get your copy of Saving Joey and Adopting Joey, go to josephwood.org. Thank you for watching The Call with Nancy Sebado. If you like this segment, please share it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you.